Well, Zach Van Dyke was with you last week, and he uh, spoke on the subject of joy. And he mentioned to you that uh, one of the things that he liked and enjoyed doing was officiating weddings. And I, when I heard him share that message, I, I reflected on my own opportunities to, uh, to do that as well. It's, it's enjoyable to be able to officiate. You, you get the best seat in the house when you officiate a wedding. You get to see the bride walk down uh, and uh, all the smiles and, and uh, see that beauty coming toward you. You see the silly grin on the groom's face as he's washing her. And, and uh, uh, it's just, it's, it's a fun experience to have. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Nathan Wilkinson, uh, came to me in last December I knew he was engaged to his fiancee, Kelsey, and he asked if I would officiate his wedding, and I, I was really glad to do so. He works at Summit part-time. He also works uh, with me in doing some counseling, and, and so he's a good friend. I was a little dismayed to know I wasn't the first person he'd asked, but hey, you know, it's okay. You're queued up, and, and I was glad to do that. So when it's someone you know, you really want to give it a little special oomph when, when you're up there officiating the wedding, and I tried to, tried to uh, just you know, make it extra special for him and Kelsey. The day came, the ceremony went on. It was it was a really enjoyable time, beautiful ceremony. Everything went off just fine. And a few weeks later, when he got back from his honeymoon, I saw him. He came up to me, and he said, "Oh, thank you so much for officiating. That was great." And and uh, you know, and I just waited around just to see if he'd have you know noticed that you know I you know said some special things for him and Kelsey and. Then he said, you know, we really wanted to pay attention to every word you had to say, but I'm telling you, we got up there, we didn't, we looked at each other afterwards, we don't remember a single thing you said. <laughs> Not one thing. Okay. A little disappointing. Glad to do it anyway, right? Uh, one of the things that makes it okay, though, is Nathan is, is a good guy. He's, he's a kind man, and uh, kindness goes a long way. So here's the one question for you. Who's the kindest person you've ever known? Past or present? Who's the, who's the kindest person you've ever known? We grew up in uh, Toledo, Ohio, neighborhood. Homes were pretty packed together. We, we uh, were next door to an elderly couple. I, they were elderly to me at the time. They were probably just in their 40s. That seemed old to me when I was a kid. But uh, they were childless, and uh, we I got to know them. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't remember their last name, but I I'll always remember their first names. Ed and Hazel were this couple's names. The only adults we were, we were able to call by their first name. But they really liked us, loved us, and we weren't even their kids. Hazel was just one of those wonderful women who was always showing us that she cared for us. She introduced me to blackjack gum. Every time I saw her, she gave me a stick of blackjack gum. We could go into their house. She would give us cookies. I remember mowing the yard one day, and it was a hot summer day. It was hot and sweaty. She comes to the, to the fence, uh, the next door yard. She hands me a fresh squeezed glass of lemonade over. It was just wonderful. It was cold outside one, one day, and it's Hazel that calls out, Jim, put your jacket on. Hazel was more nurturing than my mom. So it was just a lot of fun to, to know her and experience that kindness. Who's the kindest person you know? Kindness in the biblical sense is much more, though, than just being thoughtful, uh, having, having that kind of personality that's congenial. It's, it's a little bit, quite a bit, really, deeper than that. And I think kindness is an integral part of what it means to have a healthy 
relationship. If you want to have a healthy relationship, you've got to bring kindness into it. So Sam shared with us, we are in the series of the vine. Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. As we are in Christ, it's not just that we are there in him, but there is a, a, a production that goes on. We, we, we actually produce something. And what we produce is, is delineated all through the rest of the New Testament, very specifically in, our, in that passage in Galatians 5, and 23. Paul forthrightly, clearly states the fruit of the Spirit is, and then he lists nine qualities of that fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He he lists all those. And notice, once again, I said this uh, last time that I spoke, and, and I hope everyone says it as, as we go through this series, these are the fruit, singular, of the Spirit. These are the qualities of that singular fruit, not the fruits. I, I used to look at that list and sort of pick and choose my favorites. You know, I'm good at this, not so good at this. It's, it's all together. It all comes together. That, that's what God, through His Spirit, intends to produce through you and me. And these qualities make up the whole of God's supernatural work within us. And also, if you're like me, you read that list of love, joy, peace, patience. I always remember those. The rest are just sort of in there. So they're just sort of nice qualities, you know? And, and yet they're, they're also there for a specific person. They're very, very important. Paul, when, when of course, talks quite a bit about love, uh, when he gives the qualities of love in 1 Corinthians 13, when he finally gets to the point where he's saying, okay, this is what love is, he uses two of those qualities. Love is, remember the first one he uses? Patient. What's the second one? Love is kind. Interesting, isn't it? Love is patient. Love is kind. A few weeks ago, I was here, we talked about that quality of patience, and we talked about the fact that Jesus in the garden demonstrated that patience. But we also see in Jesus' life that he exhibits kindness. The Greek word for kindness is the Greek word krestotes, and it's not an easy word to translate. Um, it's usually translated kindness in, in the New Testament. Uh, it has the sense of beneficence, uh, of a good moral character, uh, and um, it's used quite a bit throughout all Scripture, both of God's kindness toward us and what we are called to as well. Luke 6.35 says, Because God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Not just kind to the people who follow him, but he's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. And then we're called into this as well as we, we follow the example of Christ. Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Ephesians 4. So I've ever thought about, okay, what does this word really mean? What does kindness really mean? I'd like to define it for you. This is the best definition that I have. This, this works for me, and I hope it works for you. Kindness is grace revealed. Kindness is grace revealed. Now, it's sometimes used interchangeably with the word nice, but, but I want to suggest to you that being nice is not necessarily being kind. Being nice is, is what we do. It's about me. It's, it's about my character and how people uh, observe me. Being kind 
is what I do for other people. Being kind is, is how I extend grace to other people. We say to our children, hey, be nice today. We, we, we want people to look on our children, I did as a dad, you know, they're, they're behaving themselves. They, they were appropriate in their behavior. But kindness takes that and focuses that not on the individual, but on the other person that individual has contact with. Kindness is grace revealed. Jesus didn't come to this earth to tell us to be nice to each other. Being nice people isn't it. Philip Yancey said, how would telling people to be nice to one another get a man crucified? What government would execute Mr. Rogers or Captain Kangaroo? It, it's, it's, it's not that way. Kindness goes deeper. Also, I think anyone can muster up kindness and, and, and extend grace when, when things are going well. I, things are going great in my life, I can be kinder to you, really. I, I just, I, I'll look out for you a little bit more. Things are going well for me, I'm in a better place to do that. We were, we were up in Chicago, in Chicago a year and a half ago um, visiting my daughter, son-in-law, my two grandkids, Keller and Fiona, my grandson, granddaughter. And uh, Justin and Beth, it was between Christmas and New Year, so Justin and Beth had some friends that were going to meet in Wisconsin, stay there a couple nights. We had grandkid duty. We are going to watch the grandkids. So, you know, we want to keep them alive, you know, keep them fed and entertained. So uh, we moved in to their apartment with them, and... Um, uh, a blizzard hit right as, as uh, a day after uh, they left. And of course, we were apartment bound. We couldn't go out. So what do you do with two young kids? They're, you know, they're, they're still quite young and uh, to keep them entertained. So we uh, succumbed to watching movies a lot, okay? And one movie we watched four times, <laughs> Despicable Me 2. We watched it four times. Have you ever watched Despicable Me or Despicable Me 2? It's Actually, it's really quite fun, and I enjoyed it. Um, and uh, Gru, the uh, villain-turned-hero in, in, in this movie, uh, has uh, all, it's a complicated plot. He goes through all these, these situations, but he falls in love with uh, a female character in this movie, and there's a scene where he's on his way to declare his undying love to her. And the happy song, Pharrell Williams' happy song, plays as he's going down the street and he's doing all these really nice things because he's in love, he's ready to go and, 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 and give the, the love of his life the, the great news that he will be always you know, faithful to her and they'll live happily ever after. So this happy song is singing and he's going down the street and a Frisbee gets thrown uh, astray and he picks it up and he tosses it back. He helps a little old lady across the street. He gives flowers to people. He's just, and the happy song is playing happy, happy, happy. Um, it's an interesting song. It's got a line on, uh, I still haven't figured out. Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. I don't understand that line, but. <laughs> so he meets her. She says that she's moving on. She doesn't want to have their relationship. Now he's really upset. He, he goes back along the same route now, uh, pushes little old ladies out of the way, throws flowers on the ground. The, 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 the uh, stray frisbee gets put in the trash, you know. It's, it's, you ever live your life like that? Things aren't going well for me, they're not going to go well for you. It's not kindness. Not, not what we're called to. So I want us to look at a text, Luke chapter 22. And uh, I want us to look at the text and I want us to see Jesus in this instance of this text, how he demonstrates kindness, and I think a very profound way. 
Now, the context of this, and, and uh, if you were here a few weeks ago when we did patience, we looked at this, just the previous part of this passage where Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we talked about his patience going through the struggles that he was going through. And we learned that patience takes the long view, uh, that suffering uh, usually accompanies this whole idea of patience. Patience and suffering usually go together in some way. We talked about the end of patience being a yielding of our will to God's will. We viewed how Jesus did that in the garden. And this text then takes place right after that, verse 47 of Luke chapter 22. While Jesus was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike our, with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. And then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you've come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you didn't lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. This is the word of God. So we believe, I'm sure most of us believe, that without any doubt, Jesus was a kind man. But, but this example, uh, when observed closely, I think puts the quality of kindness in a whole new light. It did for me when I looked at this passage through the lens of his kindness. Jesus is in the greatest anguish of his life. Jesus has been battling with himself and with his father. Am I really going to have to go through with this? Do I have to die? Do I have to go through this agony? Do I have to go through this difficult time? The emotion, then he, he, he confronts the emotional and soon to be physical desertion of his closest friends. The betrayal, as we see in this passage, of one is of his disciples. And the forces of evil lined up to humiliate him and even annihilate him. Zach last week talked about Jesus' first miracle when he talked about the, the uh, whole concept of joy. And the, that first miracle was turning the water into wine in Canaan of Galilee. Well, that was his first miracle. Do you know what Jesus' last miracle is? It's contained in this passage. Outside of his resurrection, this is his last miracle. Not quite, as, not quite the same as his first, but I think just as important. And here's the setting. Picture this. It's the black of night is the middle of the night. There, there are no electric lights out there. There's not any way to illuminate them. They, they, if they get around at night at all, it's on ambient light, starlight, maybe moonlight, but it's, it's very, very dark. Jesus is there with his disciples. He's struggling. They're sleeping. Finally, he, he rouses them, and a crowd shows up, a crowd with clubs and swords and torches and lanterns, and it is a commotion. You can imagine. Just put yourself in that in that picture, that, that position. And here, here Jesus then sees one of his 12 come forward and betray him with a kiss. 
it's chaos. They come to put his hands on him. The disciples are now roused. They don't want Jesus to be taken away. In another gospel, they, they actually counted up their weapons. They had two swords among them, and they're going to defend Jesus. They're going to make sure that he's going to be okay. And Peter, we know it from another uh, account, is the one who takes up his sword, and he, he is now going to, to defend his master and his Lord. And one of the men probably grabbing Jesus, servant of the high priest, Peter takes his sword and he swings it. He swings it at this man's head. This is serious stuff. There is going to be great damage. And probably the reflection of, of the lanterns off the blade of that sword, this, the servant catches the last minute, he ducks his head, and that sword comes down and slices off. Luke is very specific. It slices off his right ear. Chaos. Jesus says, no more of this. No more of this. Then Luke, and it seems insignificant when you read it, but I think it's quite profound. Luke, Luke is very specific as he says, and he touched the man's ear and healed him. Picture Jesus being now taken away, beginning to be taken away to his trial, his torture, his crucifixion. And he looks at one of his enemies, one of the men that's come to, to, to capture him, and he looks at that severed ear, picks it up off the ground, places it on the man's ear, on his head, and he heals him. Kindness is grace revealed. Anyone can be kind when they're having a good day. But when things aren't going well, when you're being slandered, when you're abandoned, when you're betrayed, or just plain ignored, that's another story, isn't it? So if kindness is indeed grace revealed, then regardless of the circumstances, we're to show favor to others, even though they might deserve just the opposite. I was traveling north on Conway in uh, Orlando uh, between Curry Ford and Lake Underhill. If you know that stretch of road, it's a four-lane road, and I was heading home. Uh, Conway dead ends into Lake Underhill. It's going to turn left and uh, go around Lake Underhill to, to my home. It was the middle of the day. It was, it was a lot of traffic, and it, it, there's always a lot of cars along that, that stretch of, of, of road. And uh, a red sports car, as I went through the light at, at Curry Ford, Ford pulled right in behind me, very tight. It was tailgating me very, 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 very close. Don't you enjoy tailgaters, by the way? Aren't they fun? <laughs> sort of fun people to drive with. And I noticed him in my rearview mirror, and I could tell that he thought I was going too slow. Uh, let me just say I was going the speed limit. I was not going too slow. And, uh, but he, 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 he wanted by me. He was in a hurry. It's a four-lane road. I was in the left-hand lane, so I saw what he was doing. He was pulling out. He pulled out the right-hand lane. He was going to speed by me, pass me on the right, and cut in front of me. And, and he did. He, and I have to confess to you that at first when I saw him you know, tailgating me, I slowed down just a little bit just to, just to let him know that I noticed he was there. And when he tried to pass me on the right second confession, I sped up a little bit. So I saw there was a car in the right-hand lane that was going to block him, and I just sped up enough so he couldn't get in uh, in front of me. Sort of, you know, really blessed him that way. Uh, he gave me a single-digit wave, and I remember, I, re I remember thinking, oh, this is... And, but you know what? I just had started to prepare the sermon on kindness. <laughs> I 
is, this is the double benefit you get when you do these things. I remember, you know what? This guy does not deserve to get in front of me. But we came up to the light. I slowed down a little bit more. And I, and I made enough space so he could finally cut in front of me. He did. And I let him go. He did not deserve that. And if you're here with a red sports car, you did not deserve that, right? <laughs> That's what kindness does. Kindness is grace revealed. Kindness is demonstrated. Let me be as practical as I can. It's, it's demonstrated in many ways, but let me give you three specifics, three things to keep in mind. First of all, kindness is demonstrated through our words, what we say. Sticks and stones will break my bones. Words will never hurt me. Are you hear that? We said that as kids. I think they still say it. Um, it's a lie. Words are very, very hurtful. I remember words said to me decades ago that I will never forget. They're, they're hurtful words. We're called as believers to demonstrate kindness, first of all, through our words. Sometimes I'll, I will be in the process of doing couples counseling and, and uh, I often hear the conflicts that take place in those situations and they will demonstrate that conflict for me, which, you know, that's part of the process. I understand that. But it's just as is sad to me to see how people enter into and participate in conflict. Conflict's common in all relationships, but it can be done well or poorly. And usually it's not being done well. And I will let those things go for a few minutes and then I'll do my best to stop it and say, okay, Here's what I want you to do, this husband and wife. I, I want you to do the same thing, talk about the same things, even use the same words, but use kind words this time. Use kind words, not attacking words. And they'll, they'll look at me like, you know, that's such a novel idea, but it's so important to make sure that you're, t you're being able to demonstrate kindness with your words. Kindness is also demonstrated through your attitude with which you say those words. Folks that have studied communication have said our communication is really only 20% the words we use, but 80% the attitudes with which they're delivered, the body language, the tone. I can say a very simple statement in scores of different ways with different attitudes, with different tones, with the different inflections. The simple statement, I love you. I can say, I love you passionately. I love you. That's the best I can do, by the way, passion. <laughs> right? I can say that same statement in a sweet way. Love you. Right? Thank you, Sam. Uh, I can say that to my children when I'm trying to drive home a point, sort of because I said so statement. You know, I love you, right? Have you ever said that to your kids? They're like, right, uh-huh. You can, you can say that same uh, phrase when you've been caught in, in, in doing something wrong or you've made, made some blunder in your relationship. Um, you can just say, well, I, I, I love you, right? Or you can use it in a testing way. Sometimes after a conflict, the next day I'll stick my head 
in the room where Renee is and, and go, hey, I love you, you know, to testing the waters, right? <laughs> Attitude. Kindness is demonstrated not just by your words, but your attitudes. And, and another area, probably maybe the most important one, it's communicated by your deeds, what you do. This church participated in NYSERV, and it was a, a extension of grace from this church to our community. It was kindness lived out. Kindness is demonstrated in what we do. Told you about my dad over the past few years. I've been speaking here. My my dad was a factory worker. He was a skilled tradesman. He he was a hard worker, and he would leave early in the morning. He'd come back about five o'clock every day uh, from from a long day at work, and uh, he'd get cleaned up. We'd sit down at the supper table, and we'd have supper. Dad, mom, my two younger brothers, me. And I remember, my dad sat. My mom sat. My brother Tim was here, Tom, my brother Tom and me were here, and uh, every supper time, at the end of the meal, my dad would be the first to get up and get the plates and take the plates to the sink, and he'd begin cleaning them up. My dad, who'd spent eight, nine, ten hours of hard labor providing for his family, would extend that kindness to us. Now he had three able-bodied sons who could have done that very, very easily. And it was with shame that I say that I, I thought, well, that's good. If he's gonna do it, that's great. Allowed him to do that. My dad was demonstrating kindness, extending grace to his wife and to his family. couple I counseled years ago from out of state they came down spent an extended time with me we helped them work we worked through some stuff together and, and, and made some progress uh, kept up with them via the phone and and uh, they were doing okay and then I call got a call one evening from the wife and uh, she was upset she said they had she and her husband had a, a huge conflict and they were uh, not just not doing well, they, they, they'd really felt that there was a fracture in the relationship. And the husband was so mad, he said to her, I am leaving for a few days. I don't know when I'm coming back. And he grabbed the car keys and he, and he just strode out of the house. And the car keys he grabbed were the keys to his wife's new car. And he left her with his dirty pickup truck. Insult to injury, right? So she says, he's gone. I don't have the keys to his truck. Do you believe he did that to me? And of course, I tried to commiserate. What am I going to do? I said, well, let me know. Call me when, when you know he's coming back, and then we'll talk a little bit. And three days later, she called back. He's coming home. What am I going to do? OK. I said, uh, do you have any transportation? She says, my kids are running me around. OK. If one of your kids, adult kids, she had adult kids, have them take you to the grocery store. I want you to get all his favorite foods. I want you to figure out his favorite menu from salad to dessert. Buy it all. Before he gets home, prepare it and have it ready. He was going to come home at dinner time. Have, have it ready for him to eat when he walks in the door, his favorite meal. 
And then when he comes through that door, I want you to walk up to him. I want you to hug him. I want you to look him in the eye. I want you to say, I'm really glad you're home. I'm glad you're safe. And I love you very much. There was silence on the other end of the line. <laughs> I did not hear anything for 30 seconds. I thought we'd been cut off. And finally, I said, Beth, I was going to Beth, you there? I'm here. And then she said, and she's got this great southern accent, she says, finally, she said, Jim Keller, I don't like you very much right now. <laughs> so what? She says, I can't. Here's what she said, you ready? I can't do that. I can't do that. Both of these people, this husband and this wife, were believers in Jesus. They had a strong faith. And I said over the phone very clearly, you're absolutely right. You cannot do that. You need to bring a third person into this conflict. She said, you? I said, no, ma'am, not me. <laughs> you need to bring the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, into this conflict. And my suggestion is you go to a quiet place, get on your knees, and you ask God through his spirit for the power to show this, in your mind, undeserving man kindness. And to her great credit, she did. And a few days later, she relayed the story to me of how that went. And over the weeks and months that went by, both of them point to that point in time as the real pivot point, the turning around of a marriage that was mediocre to a marriage that was really significant and great. How did it happen? It happened when a woman said, I'm going to allow the Spirit bring forth that quality in me. Couples leave my office. One of the things I say to them, if you don't hear me say anything else, be kind to each other. Be kind to each other. Not just be nice. Extend grace to each other. Ephesians 4.32, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So Nathan and I, the guy I did his wedding, we were talking and, and he, he thanked me again and he was just getting ready to go. He said, oh, we did remember, we did remember uh, one part of what you said. I said, well, good, that's good. He said, uh, it was the scripture. We, we both remember you, you uh, saying the scripture. And uh, that didn't help me a whole lot because they picked out the scripture. I didn't pick out the scripture, so that wasn't. And I remembered, oh. I, and I went back and looked. And one of the passages they had read at their wedding was Colossians 3, 12, and 13. Paul says, therefore, as God's chosen people. And I want to tell you something. If you're a believer in Jesus and you're walking with him or doing the best to allow the Holy Spirit to give you power to do that, you are his chosen people. This is speaking to you and to me. And here's what we are exhorted to do. Clothe yourselves. Just like you put on your clothes. Clothe yourselves with compassion and here's our word, and with kindness. 
with humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So husbands, look up and look, look me in the eye. Husbands, all you husbands, look at me. You got me locked in? <clears throat> husbands, be kind to your wives. Be kind to your wives. Extend them grace. Wives, look at me, wives, locked in. Wives, be kind to your husbands. Extend grace to them. Parents, all your parents, look at me. Parents, be kind to your children. Children, all of us have parents, okay? Some of them aren't living anymore. A lot of them are, you know, older parents. But here's the, here's the exhortation. Children, be kind to your parents. Extend grace to them. Brothers, be kind to your brothers and sisters. Sisters, be kind to your brothers and sisters. Clothe yourselves with kindness. So let's all of us, let's put our kindness on. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you most of all for your great love with which you've loved us and the kindness that you've shown us by extending your grace to us through your son, Jesus. I pray for every man and woman here, I pray for myself first, that we, all of us, would take seriously what we've been called to do. Not just when we feel like it, not just when it's convenient, but help us be in a place where we rely on you for that power that we do not have. To be genuinely kind and gracious to the people that you allow us to interact with every minute of our lives. And I pray that we would do this not for ourselves, but for your glory. And then ultimately as well, for our great joy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.